today is Membership Sunday. We're very excited about that. A couple times a year, for those of you who are new or aren't familiar with what we do, a couple times a year we welcome new members into our congregation, people who are making a covenant to say, we're going to walk with your church, we're going to walk with you guys, and, and we're going to seek to be faithful in the long run. And so uh, we're going to, uh, after we hear the word of God, we're going to hear from a couple of these folks, um, and then we're going to hear the confession, uh, the covenant promises by uh, five of our new members, and we're really excited about that. But towards that end, we're going to be talking today as we continue this series on generosity. One of the things that we recognize in Scripture, uh, that generosity is not uh, simply about the money that we have, or it's not about the resources that uh, we think typically generosity tends to align itself with by definition or by example, but generosity is a, is a, is a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a posture of our hearts. Um, today, as we, uh, again, have Membership Sunday, and we realize that it takes uh, an, an army to build a church and an army to accomplish a mission, uh, I want to call us to a generosity, not just in our finances or in our, you know, whatever, uh, whatever uh, currency you, you, you think, but I want to call us to a generosity of our talents, and oftentimes that's expressed through our time. Uh, this uh, Friday, I was, I was on an airplane going up to Atlanta. Um, last weekend, I was in Seattle, and uh, when I was there, one of my, my friends said to me, uh, one of my friends who has uh, rich friends, he said, hey, uh, when you travel, do you use noise-canceling headphones? I said, I don't. And he's like, okay, I'm going to send you some. So he sent me some these noise-canceling headphones. He said, these would be awesome for you to wear on the airplane. And so I, I got it, and I was really excited to, to try this out on my trip up to Atlanta. And so hour and a half flight. Uh, sit down, I've got the aisle seat, and I'm like, I'm, for, for whatever reason, I'm in zone one. And so I'm sitting in, in there uh, in the aisle seat, and I've got my noise-canceling headphones on. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Eh? This is like neat. You can't really hear what's going on. And I said, God, I'm just going to tune out, not going uh, to worry about anything around me. I'm just going to think about, I, I've got this conference I'm preaching these messages at, so I'm just going to prepare my heart and, and, and get these messages into me so that I can deliver them faithfully. And so I was just sitting there with my headphones on, uh, listening to nothing, just kind of drowning out everything around me. Um, these two ladies came into the, uh, came into the aisle, um, and it was apparent that they needed to, 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 to scoot into where I was sitting. So uh, I took off my headphones for a second, just thinking that they might say something, uh, and they went, into, uh, they went into their seats, uh, one lady next to me and one lady in the window, and they're sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put my noise-canceling headphones back on. But before I do that, um, I recognize that the lady sitting next to me um, doesn't look very good. Not, not, that she's, not that she's ugly, but she looks like she's having a hard day. She looks kind of like messed up, and, and, and so I said, God, I'm just going to go ahead and put these back on. I felt him saying, no, just wait a little bit, right? Wait a little bit. But I started arguing with God. You, you ever argue with God? You have these conversations in your head. This is like the, the way it's playing out in my mind. I was like, no, God, I think this is great because uh, my friend bought these for me, and, and it's the perfect time. It just so happens. The timing's perfect. A week later, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and put them on now. Thank you very much. And he said, I put you here because this person might need something. I said, okay, I'll just kind of hang them on my neck for a little bit, and then I'll, uh, once we get airborne, I'll put them back on. And as I got to listening to what they were saying, um, this girl, this lady, uh, has a baby who's three months old, okay, three-month-old baby, and she found out the day before Halloween uh, that her husband had been unfaithful to her. And as they get to talking, you know, she's like, I can't believe it. Like, he's such a good guy. He's such a good dad. And the other girl is like, you know, how many, how many, what happened? She's like, well, 
he was unfaithful with this, this, this person several times, and he said it didn't, you know, wasn't anything, but he didn't confess to her. She found out somehow looking through his car and, and found some stuff that shouldn't have been there. And she's sitting next to me, and she's like crying. She's crying, and she's wiping her tears with a sweater that's kind of sitting on her lap. And I said, God, I've uh, got a conference to prepare for, so I've, I've heard enough. I'm going to go ahead and put these on. And I felt God saying, hey, don't you? What are you preaching on these days? I said, I think I'm preaching on generosity, but, you know, it's like we're talking about money. I can't give her any money right now. He's like, is that what you said last week? Did you say generosity is about the money or did you say it's about the motive? It's about the amount or about the attitude? I said, I'm not really sure. That was a long time ago. I'm preparing for these other messages. And he said, do you think you can argue with me? I said, well, I've tried before and I've lost every time, but I'm, not willing to, I'm, I'm willing to try again. He said, I think I might have put you here because you have something that she needs. And if it's not for such a time as this, that you have been given what you've been given, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then why would I have put you here? It's not an accident. I said, but... But God, why would it be that my friend sent those headphones last week and then the very next week I'm on the airplane? He's like, let me make it clear to you, okay? Let me make it simple. But I said, God, I don't want to be like a creeper. I don't want to sound like I've been eavesdropping. And so the lady in the aisle who happened to be pregnant uh, said, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom. And so she got out. So it's just me and this lady. I'm like, God, I don't want to do this. Like, this is creepy and weird. But I looked over the, 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 the lady and I was like, hey, um, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. I hate that this happened to you. I said, I'm a pastor. I believe in the healing power of God. I believe that God is faithful, that God redeems, and um, I'm just going to be praying for you if that's cool. And she just started, like, bawling. She's like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And so for the course of the next part of our flight until we landed in Atlanta, just shared the hope of Christ. There's no easy answers. She doesn't know what she's going to do when she gets back home. She doesn't know if she's going to stay with this man. They're not believers. They have some kind of a, a religious peace in it. But I connected her with some resources, and, and I helped her to, I don't know if I helped her at all, but she said thank you at the end of the time. And I began to realize, right, that and my heart wasn't hilarious in my giving, in my generosity. I just wanted to go and do my own thing. But generosity is not giving because we've got an overflow of resources. It's about seeing what we do have, whether it's a, a lot or little. It's we have something, and it's about giving out of that, even if it hurts us, in order that the lives of others might be blessed and others might be refreshed. This is the heartbeat of generosity. So today I want to talk about being generous with our talents and with our time. I want to look at Matthew chapter 25, read verses 14 through 30. It's a parable that Jesus talks about, and I think it is highly significant. It's highly significant for us on Membership Sunday, but it's highly significant for everyone who claims to be a child of God, and it's important that we understand this. What does it mean to be generous with the talents that we have in our possession? Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is a parable that Jesus tells of the kingdom and of its citizens. This is the word of God, uh, Matthew 25, verse 14. 
He says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received his, the, the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and, and, and gather where I haven't scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with a banker so that when I returned, I'd have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more and he'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word. What is happening here? What is happening here? What does it mean for us to be generous with our talents? The first thing that we see, three things here I want to bring out from here. A lot of different things, but the first thing is this. God generously entrusts his people with talents, right? God generously entrusts his people with talents. God generously entrusts talents to his people. Each of us, okay, each of us has been given a talent. So he talks about three different people. They represent uh, people in the world. He gives five talents, Right? To one person, two talents to another, and one talent to another person. Now, talent, it says in your notes, maybe $1,000, but it depends on what kind of a talent it was. If it was a silver talent, then one talent represents about a year's worth of money, okay, a year's worth of wages. If it was a gold talent, then it represents 20 years' worth of wages. So listen, one guy, depending, if we take the lower end of it, one guy's getting five years' worth of wages. This very rich, wealthy, generous businessman gives five years' worth of wages and entrusts it to this one guy. To another guy, he gives two years' worth of wages and say, here's your money. And to one other guy, to the third guy, he gives a, a year's worth of wages and says, I'm entrusting all of this to you. This is an extremely wealthy businessman He's an extremely generous businessman that he has entrusted his property to these servants, and then he goes away for a long, long time, right? So it's not just like he's going away on a, on a weekend business trip, and he goes, he's going away for such a long time that he liquidates all of his assets, and then he generously gives it to his people in order that they might do something with it, and they might be proven faithful with that trust. 
Why does Jesus give this parable? Because he's saying, this is us. Every single person has been given a talent from God, generously entrusted into your care. And the question is, what will we do with what we have been entrusted with? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with the gift that God has entrusted to you? What are you going to do with a talent that God has entrusted to you? So back in those days, it represented money, but this is the very word where we get the English word talent. And so we can see this as a parable for the gifts and the skill set and all of the resources that God has given to us with which we can make a difference in the world. He's saying no one has been left out in the disbursement and in the entrustment and in the stewardship of the talents that God has given to each of us. There's a study done at Baylor University. It said that there's something that every single one of us can do better than 10,000 people in the world. So if you get 10,000 people together, there's one thing that you can do better than all of those other people. The question is, what is it? Because each of us has one. You know, in this room on Wednesday nights, there's a program called Awana, which means approved Workmen, work people, workers are not ashamed. It's a discipleship program for our children, and a lot of you are involved in the discipleship and the teaching of these children. And every week there's a different theme that leaders like Brian Van Cleve and others have, have put together. There's a different theme for every week. There's like, you know, last week was Giant Night, where I think they're supposed to dress up as giants, like wear big clothes or something like that. I don't know. That's what, that's what Elijah did. Anyway, I don't know what exactly Giant Night meant. Um, there's different themes uh, for different nights. And, and one of these nights, there was this thing called Awana's Got Talent, right? You know that show, America's Got Talent, or Asia's Got Talent, or Somebody's Got Talent? Awana's Got Talent. And so this was, I don't think this happened yet this year, but uh, last year when our daughter Manny was like six, seven years old, um, she was preparing herself for, hey, you know what, this week is Awana's Got Talent. I wonder what I should do. And so her little brother Elijah said, uh, what does talent mean? So he said, it's something that you do very well. It's an ability. It's something that you do better than a lot of other people. That's a talent, and God gives you these talents. And so he said, Elijah, what do you think Manny's talent is? And so Elijah's mind starts turning, and he's thinking, what does Manny do better than everybody else that I know? And he said, I know Manny is really good at losing her teeth. She has lost more teeth than all of her other friends. Maybe Manny can go up there at Awana and start losing teeth. Wow, that's very interesting, Elijah. That's not really a talent. It's just something that just so happened to happen in your sister's life. But there is something that Manny is good at, and we can figure all that because there's something that every one of us has been given. We all have talents. And the question is, what is it, and what are you going to do with a talent that God has entrusted to you? I think some of us, maybe we're trying to be humble, or maybe it's low self-esteem, Or maybe we're trying to get others to affirm something in us. But we say something, and this is like uh, something that Asian people are really good at doing. Hey, what's your talent? Brother, what's your talent? Sister, what's your talent? What are you going to offer to the Lord God? And we say something like this. Oh, I have nothing that I can give. I have no talents. There's nothing good that I can do. I'm just good at, um, yeah, nothing really. You ever say that? Or you know people who say that? Yeah, why do we say that? I don't know why we say that. I know probably why I say it is because 
I don't know why, but there's a lot of reasons, and they're all sinful reasons. Think about it like this. In other places, God calls these spiritual gifts. He gives gifts to his people. So, so pretend this. You've got a friend who has a birthday. It was last week, eh? or no. Well, birthday's tomorrow. Let's say birthday's tomorrow. And so you decide, I'm going to get my friend a gift. I'm going to get them an awesome gift. And so uh, you think, and you think, and you think, and you think, and, and you know that all the rage amongst like, people in their 30s and 40s and older is this thing called the Instapot, right? It's this, this, this pot that makes food like really quickly so you can make, uh, I don't know, like anything for like half the time, and it's not a microwave oven. It just like super steams it, vacuum packs, and, and in an instant, these things are done. And so you say, I'm going to get my friend an Instapot. You're really excited. And so her birthday comes, his birthday comes, and you're like, happy birthday, I love you so much, this is like the perfect gift for you. And they open it up, and they're like, yay, an Instapot, this is great, and, and you're so excited, you give her a hug, you give him a hug, and then you go off on your merry way. You come to church the next week, and one of your other friends says, oh my gosh, was it such and such's birthday last week? I totally forgot. And so they go up to the person, they're like, oh, give them a hug, happy belated birthday, I'm so sorry I missed your birthday, what'd you do, did you have a party? No, I didn't have a party, did you get any gifts? No, I didn't get any gifts. And you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 you did get a gift, and you're waiting, like you're so excited, and you're like, well, actually, uh, did you really not get a gift? No, I didn't get anything. And you're like, nothing? Like you didn't get anything? And you start like nudging them, you didn't get anything, like at all? Like, no, I didn't get anything. You're like, are you sure? Like, are you absolutely positive? Did I see you on your birthday? No, I don't, think, I don't think I got anything. And then you think to yourself, you're getting angry. So you say, well, somebody who looks exactly like me, who's dressed exactly like me, who talks exactly like me, and who has the exact same name as me, gave you an Instapot last week. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, that, that's nothing. Right? That's nothing. That's no big deal. How would you feel? How would you feel as a giver of that gift if she said, no, I don't have anything, I didn't get anything. In fact, what you gave to me is no big deal. See, we think we're belittling ourselves or we're talking bad about ourselves or we've got low self-esteem, but what we're really saying is we're communicating something about the generosity of the God who has entrusted every single one of us with talents. When you say, I don't have anything that I can offer to anybody, I can't do anything for the sake of the church or for the world, you're not making a statement about yourself. You're making a value of judgment about the generosity and the love and the goodness of our Father in heaven who has generously entrusted each of you with talents. So what's your talent? If you don't know what it is, just start doing what the Bible commands you to do. Start serving your church. Start taking out trash. Start straightening out chairs. Start inviting a friend out. Somebody needs a ride, give them a ride. If you can't drive, then pick up trash wherever you can. Help out wherever you can. Ask somebody, what can I do? Like, call up a friend who is absent on Sunday. Just do something, and then you're going to begin to realize that there's something that I like doing, something that I'm good at doing, something that other people get blessed by me, by me doing, and something that other people say, you know what, you're really great at doing this. We've all been entrusted with talents. And God says, what are you going to do with the talent that you've been given? That's the first thing. God generously entrusts each of us with talents. The second thing, okay, second thing, right, your view of God, right, how much you know God, right, your knowledge of God, your view of God is going to determine how generous you are with the talents he's entrusted to you. Your view of God is going to show how generous you are with what God has given to you. It's probably going to sound different than what you're writing there. 
but how we view God, right? our relationship with him, our perspective, like how we see him. These first two guys who got five and two talents, right, they realize, wow, my master has entrusted me with these things. He didn't have to do that. But in his care and concern, in his belief in me, he gave me five talents. He gave me two talents. And so immediately, it says, they put these talents to work. They said, my God has been, my master has been so generous with me. Therefore, I'm going to be generous with my talents. Are you generous with your talents? Again, how we view our talents and how we view the expression of those talents and the use of those talents tells us a whole lot more about what we believe about God than it does about what we believe about ourselves. If you're using your talents, if you're generous with your talents, it doesn't always mean that you believe that God is generous. But if you believe that God is generous and that he has graced you, then it will always manifest itself in a generosity with your talents. Okay, generosity in every way but definitely a generosity in the talents that we have been given and entrusted by God. The third servant, though, look at what he says. Okay, he gets one talent, and he says in verse 24, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you've not gathered seeds, so I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. Obviously, his view of his master is completely misguided. He said, I knew that this is who you are. And a lot of times, that's what we say when we're stingy with our gifts. I know something about God, and it's usually the wrong thing. We think that God is a taker, not a giver. That God wants to use us, kind of like the way we, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this, uh, I'm going to use this water bottle, and then when I'm done with it, I'm going to throw it away. Like, a lot of times we think that way. Like, oh, God, he's always taken from me. Why does he want me to do more of this for him? Why does he want me to do more of this stuff for church? If that's our attitude, then somewhere in our heart of hearts, we've been disconnected, as Brother Eugene shared in the, in the morning, we've been disconnected from the fountain of God's grace that makes us generous. Because if we think God is always taking, it's because we don't understand that first he's always giving. And it's because he's given and given and given and given that we can give and give and give and not give out of the emptiness with which we have. Right? That's when we get burnt out. That's when we get tired. That's when we feel like, I don't want to do this anymore because we've forgotten the generosity of God and we've made it about ourselves and we've made it about the fact that God's wanting to take, not about the fact that God is always wanting to give. Generosity meets us, before, grace meets us before generosity. Grace meets us after our generosity. After our generosity. It's God's generous with us. We are generous with others. God is more generous so that we can be more generous. And the cycle continues. God always makes grace sandwiches around our generosity. I love what the Apostle Paul says when he's writing to Timothy. His first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, I praise God who has given me strength for he has considered me faithful appointing me to his service. In other words, what he's saying is, like, there's no one else in the world who would actually consider me faithful because I was not even a believer. I was a persecutor. I was a hater of God and a hater of his church. But God considered me faithful. 
Like he, he oversaw all of those things, and he said, Paul, you're going to be faithful. I consider you faithful. Literally what he's saying is he went out on a limb for me in order that I might be used by him. And Paul is stricken by that grace to the fact that he says, I thank God that I have been given this opportunity that I can actually be used by God. Do you have that wonder in your heart that as you stand at the door and you welcome people, this is what the psalmist says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, better as one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Like, are you tickled by the fact that you could do that for God, that you could greet people into the house of the Lord, people who are weary, who are tired, who've never experienced the grace of God, who don't know what it is to be welcomed by a church, that you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus at the door? That's crazy favor of God in our lives. Does it blow your mind that you can be a house church shepherd and and, and you can pray for people and be on the front row of seeing lives being changed? Like, do you have to do that or do you get to do that for the glory of God? Does it blow your mind that you you could take care of babies and be forming in them the beautiful picture of who God is? That you can do that for people, that you can do that for God. We don't have to do anything for him. We, if anything we can do, we get to do that for him. That's scandalous mercy and grace. Why have you chosen me out of millions your child to be? It blows my mind that God would use somebody like me to do anything for him. I got, my, I got C's and D's throughout elementary school on my report card. My teachers in elementary school thought there was something wrong with me because I was the only kid in school who would never, in my class, who wouldn't go out for show and tell or talent show. Everybody else would do it. So my teachers had to have a conference with my parents. Says, everything okay at home? Is he, is he okay? Is he talk at home? It blows my mind that God would want to use somebody like me. Like, why? Out of millions of people, like, why do I get to do this? Why do I get to stand on stage and and lead people into the presence of God? Why do I get to be the one who straightens out the chairs in our sanctuary so that people could come in and not be distracted and just be able to focus on loving Jesus? Why do we get that privilege? You don't have to do any of this stuff. It's God and his generous grace that allows us to be able to do this. And the fact that we can do this week in, week out, day by day, is a mercy undeserved. A couple weeks ago, I was was, uh, going to get socks to put on as I was getting ready for the day. And I looked at my sock drawer, and I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, olive socks were all up in my drawer. I pulled out this one set of socks, like this one pair of socks we, we... uh, roll them up, and I pulled out this one pair of socks, and it was like, okay, uh, this is clearly the wrong one. The symbol is the same. It's under armor, but one of the socks, the symbol is white. The other one is gray, but they're matched up together. I threw it back in. I pulled out another pair of socks, and, and one was short. The other was long, same color. I said, Olive, like, what were you watching when you're folding the laundry? Like, what were you watching? You, you must have been watching Top Chef or something because these socks are all wrong and, and then you put them in the wrong drawer. And she's like, oh, sorry, the socks. Elijah wanted to fold your socks this week. I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. 
that he would mismatch all of these socks. He would take socks because they're bigger and think they're mine, not mommy's, and he'd just put them in daddy's pile. Elijah's not good at folding socks. In fact, he's really bad. Like, I have to undo all of that stuff. It would be so much better if I just did it myself. But there's such delight in my son that he gets to serve mommy and daddy in this way. And yeah, we could do better without it. In fact, I could get Manny to do it. Manny would kill it. But Elijah takes great delight in knowing, man, that mom and dad are going to let me, at least one time, mom and dad let me fold their socks. God doesn't need us. It's not like we do it very well anyways. <laughs> if we just got out of the way, God would do it a whole lot better. But he lets us do it for his glory. And the more we know God, the more we know God, not just know about God or hear about God, but the more we know God, God of infinite generosity and grace that he lets us do this. What a blessing. What a joy that I get to be used, that you get to be used, that we get to give our talents in order that people might see Jesus through us. The second thing that we see here. Third thing, last thing, God generously rewards us. Rewards us when we're faithful with what we've been given, with what, what we've been given. Right? God generously rewards us. Guys, listen, if <laughs> the, 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 the serving itself is all of the joy that we need. I get to be used by, I mean, think about it. Steph Curry. He comes to church one day. He's like, hey, uh, I wanted to shoot around. Can I use your gym? Oh, yeah, you can use our gym. And then he says to, to anybody here, hey, you, will you? So usually when I'm in Golden State at the Oracle Arena, I shoot, and I'm too lazy to get my own ball. So someone gets a ball, and they pass it back to me. You want to be that guy? Yeah, I'll be that guy. Sure. I would love to be that guy. And so he's shooting. You get the ball. You pass it back to him. And he's going for hours and hours and hours. At what point you get tired and say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. This stinks. This is awful. This is terrible. You're so mean. You're a slave driver. What point do you do that? You probably never do that because you're tickled to death by the fact that he actually chose you. The more we understand that God has given us the blessing of being used by one who is in, he made Steph Curry. He gave him that shot. He gave him that idea to stick that mouthpiece out of his mouth. That's all God's stuff, man. Steph Curry is God's servant. And God is allowing you to serve him in whatever way he allows you to serve. And look at the cool thing, right? Here's the cool thing. God is not looking for us to be successful or to be awesome at what we do. Sometimes we feel like I can't give of myself because we're comparing ourselves to other people, right? God, you can't use me because, boy, I really, I can't lead games the way that he does. God, you can't use me because I can't serve people the way that my old house church shepherd does. God, I can't, I can't be, come to prayer meeting because I can't, I can't pray more than five minutes. Like, I don't know how those other people do it. 
God doesn't say to the person with two talents, hey, how come you didn't give me the same return as the five-talent guy? If he gave two talents to the two-talent guy, what he's saying is I want you to be faithful with the two talents that you do have. Don't look at what other people have. I'm not asking you to be like them. You know, to me, that was the most freeing thing in the world. Because when I started out in, in, in ministry, I just wanted to be like everybody else that, that were my mentors, my heroes. I just wanted to be like them. I said, I can't be like them. And God said, I didn't make you to be like them. Right? I made you to be you, right? Ephesians 2, verse 10, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, he's saying, you are God's good work. And because God makes good works, I made you to make good works because we reflect our Father. He says, you are God's good work, and I've put good works in you. There's a deposit of good works in you, things that only you can do, things that this world needs. What God was saying to me on my flight up to Atlanta on Friday was that I've put good works in you that the person sitting next to you desperately needs you to draw from right now. There are things that you and uniquely you and only you and solely you can give to the world that God has put into your life and put into your heart. And if we're not faithful with that, then our world is being robbed of the great gift and the talent that God has given to you. Think about anybody with any talent, right? America's Got Talent or American Idol, uh, Kelly Clarkson. If she decided, no, I'm not going to sing, then the world would not have been blessed by the beauty of her voice or by her music or whatever it is. You've got stuff in you, and a lot of times we're looking at the person with more talents than us and saying, why can't I be more like that? God says, no, I want you to be more like you. Be you, right? Be you, be you. The second thing that he's saying is God doesn't call you to be awesome or successful at what you do. What is the basis of God's reward? Here's what he says in verse 21, and then he says it again in verse 23. Well done, good and awesome servant. Well done, good and successful servant. Well done, good and fruitful servant. He does not say any of those things. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what God is wanting from you. He doesn't care about how many people you can bring to baptism. That's not his deal. Right? He says, it's my job to save. It's your job to be faithful. Doesn't matter how many of this or how many of that or you're looking at all. The metric with which God measures and rewards is not the metric of this world. And sometimes all we're looking at is buildings and butts in the pew and budgets and all that stuff, man. People are looking at that. How big is your church and how many people you got? How many baptisms? God doesn't care about that stuff. He ain't going to ask me, oh, you know, D.L., how come you guys didn't have more? He's not going to ask about that stuff. He's going to say, were you faithful with what I've given to you? And that's what he says to all of us. The basis of God's reward is your ability or inability to be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. And the awesome thing is that not only do we have the blessing of just being used by God, but the reward that God gives for our generosity with our talents is far greater than what we actually give. Look at what he says. Verse 21, you have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. When you're faithful with the little that you have, guys, if you can't preach at Westminster Abbey, then you preach to the two people at your school. If you can't serve in Calcutta like Mother Teresa, 
than you serve the homeless person that you see on your way to work. God takes a little that you do, and every opportunity that you have, God is preparing you for a bigger opportunity if you're faithful with that. Everything you do is preparing you for something bigger. Everything that God puts in front of you, don't say, I'm too big for that. You do that, and you do that to the best of your ability, and God's going to blow you away with the opportunities that he gives to you. And at the end of it all, he says, come and share in your master's happiness. And if we can share in his happiness, that probably means there's a feast. That probably means there's blessings untold. Like, we get to share in that? Just because we're faithful with what he's already given to us? And that we get to do that? This is crazy. But it's only possible for him to have chosen us because Jesus shared in the cursing of the unworthy servant. See, Jesus was the one who was perfectly faithful with what he had. We were the ones who are unfaithful with what we've been entrusted. And the punishment that we deserved to be cast out we were spared. And Jesus took that upon himself so that he could open up countless opportunities for us to serve. See, it's not, God's not saying, if you're not faithful what you have, I'm going to send you to destruction. No, no, no. He's saying, your laziness with what you've been entrusted is a sign that you do not know who God is. He's not saying, hey, Christian, you're not faithful, I'm going to send you out. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that unfaithfulness and sitting on our talents is indicative of how we already view God and our relationship with him, namely that it is non-existent. And Jesus has taken the fall for us, not only shared but absorbed all of the master's unhappiness so that we could have all of the master's happiness. We gain so much. Because God, in his generous grace, constantly wants to give to us, even in our failures. I'm going to um, just read an email that I got uh, several years ago, and we're going to close here. It's written by one of our, uh, one of our youth students at the time. Um, she used to uh, make the bulletin in our church that we give out on, on Sunday mornings. Uh, she'd been doing it for several years, and she was in like eighth grade, and then she got to twelfth grade, and uh, she was graduating, and she left. And so, uh, <clears throat> like, towards the time of her graduation and departure, uh, she was making the, the bulletin. I walked in, and uh, she was crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, is the copy machine broken? Is there a paper jam? Is the computer not working? Like, what's going on? She's like, no, everything is working fine. So I looked at her, awkward. I said, are you going to be okay? <laughs> and she said, uh, I'm going to be okay. I said, all right, if you need me, I'll be uh, over here. Bye. And I left. Uh, I'm a great pastor. Right? <laughs> so a few days later, uh, she sent this email. This is what she said. Uh, the crying started when I was doing the bulletin, and then I couldn't stop after that. Ha ha. I was thinking about what a blessing it was to be able to do the bulletin because even though sometimes it just felt like work, 
and it wasn't that big a deal. In the end, it allowed me to be in close contact with the pastor, lots of accountability, whether intentional or not, and taught me lots about commitment and other grown-up things and helped me to feel responsible for my church. I was overwhelmed that even though sometimes I did a poor job and wasn't the best servant out there in both my attitude and actual work, God's heart is to bless me and to take what little I bring and really use it. I didn't do much in the grand scheme of things, and what little I did, I didn't always do to the best of my ability, but in the end, I was the one who was blessed. He is really, really good to his people, and I'm glad that he is my God. Anyway, I'm so excited for whoever else will be doing the bulletin. Thank you for letting me do it all these years and giving me the opportunity to serve and experience God this way. I for sure wouldn't have trusted me if I were you, but you did, and I was really blessed, and I'm a better person because of it. So thank you, PDL. I really appreciate everything. Isn't that crazy? Making bulletins, and she's crying because she knows the grace of God that causes us to want to be generous with our talents. God's entrusted each of you, each of us, with something. Let's be generous. Let's reflect our generous God because we know that he never leaves us empty when we give to him. Let's pray. Do you know the talent that God has given to you? Yeah. Let's just surrender that to God. God, I want to be used by you. I give it to you. Help me to be generous. If you don't know what talent God has given to you, then uh, ask your house church shepherd, your Sunday school teacher, what are some things that I can do? What can I do in order to serve and to bless and to build church? What are some ways that I can get involved in order that I might know this same joy that this older sister had, younger sister had? Yeah. And maybe you have uh, reasons why you have withheld your talents from the Lord. Maybe you have reasons why you haven't wanted to give to God. Um, yeah. Let's really work through those for just a couple moments. Now, what is it that keeps you from wanting to give generously to the Lord God? Just take a minute right now. Lord, here I am. Don't have much. But what I do have, you've given to me, entrusted to me. Lord, I want to be faithful. Let's just spend a couple moments praying. We're not going to pray for a long time right now. So I want you to really be honest and really be earnest and sincere as you offer this to the Lord God. Okay? Let's do that. Lord, I want to be generous. Help me. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much. I dream what it would look like if every gift and 
every talent. In our beloved congregation could be released into the world. An outpouring of generosity with the gifts and the talents you've given to us. Man, what could happen in our world? How many more lost people could come to know Jesus? How many more broken people could find healing in your arms? How many confused people could find clarity in the arms of Jesus? Lord, there's too much at stake. Oh, that we would be as dying people running into a dying world. So that by you using our simple gifts and talents, that a world might be saved and won. We're not called to save everyone. Lord, where we are, may we do our best to be faithful with what you've entrusted to us. Oh, Lord, help us, not just to give, but to give generously, not just to give generously, but to give hilariously, that we would know that joy. We love you because you've loved us first. Pray that through our generosity, you would help us to love you even more. In Jesus' name we pray.